Welcome home, Colombia. Beautiful, beautiful. Check one, check two. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour with your host, me, Rob Cantrell. I have an exciting episode, a historic episode, a musical episode. Uh, it's right off the cuff. We're in the blip. We're in the moment. My man, this is a dude that inspires me and his music has been there uh, with me for a very long time. And I got to do a couple gigs with him in Brooklyn. He's now in yeah. Tennessee. Please give it up for the one and only Mike Doty, everybody. Mike Doty. Uh, Rob, my man, how are you? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. How you holding up? Right. Hey, is it cool if I'm not high for the interview? Yeah, please. Uh, and I've already had the coffee, like the coffee. I drank the coffee minutes ago, but I, I was foolish and I didn't save it for on on screen podcast consumption. I know it's hard. It's hard because we're waiting to a little bit of afternoon and I go right in with my coffee. Right. So uh, I've I've downed my coffee too, but you're perfect, my man. You don't. I'm high enough for both of us and a few other people <laughs> right now. So, uh, I got nice for this American one, home. and I got some good stat. I mean, I got some good herb cannabis. I like to normalize it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, but no, I I love the coffee. What did you drink this morning? I find it fascinating. What, what what's your grind right now? What's your move in the morning? Well, uh, I, there's a, a roaster here in Memphis called Vice and Virtue. Um, I get their shit. Um, what is their blend that I like? It's like Big Humble or something like that. This is oh. a super dope name. Um, yeah. And then I have this weird thing that a friend of mine gave me. I don't even know what you call it, but it's a, an espresso machine, but it's manual. So you like put the coffee in put boiling water in, and then these two handles that you slowly push down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get the super blood, you get the super vampire blood from that. So you exactly. go, do you do go get a humble and then hit it with the super blood, or do you just you start? No, I buy, the, I buy the beans, yeah. grind the beans, I do it, yeah. They're, you got the electric beans. grinder, I love beans, I love a good medium roast, that's my thing. Oh, what yeah. kind of roast are you looking for? Are you Do you like it dark and deathly, or do you like it light and sunny? Well, yeah, I think about the middle. I mean, light, light roast is this most caffeinated roast, oh, but wow. yeah, it's true. Because I because did not know that. Yeah, isn't that weird? That's like yeah, yeah. recently acquired knowledge. It's like the the lighter the roast, the stronger the the coffee is in, in terms of the caffeine content. So I go right down the middle. I go for medium roast. Yeah, I'm medium roast myself. Today, I got grabbed a bag. I mean, this is common, but you know, Italians do it up with coffee. It kind of that's the right. source is Italy. But I just got your basic lava zava that medium works. roast, and I grabbed that. But then. What's trippy? I do have some CBD uh, tea. It's called Golden oh, Sunshine. All right. And since you're in the, and then I made this yesterday. It's like uh, some CBD and then um, tea. And then I made iced tea out of it today. Oh, so I'm that's drinking cool. CBD iced tea uh, I, with a little bit of alcohol. I walk around or am I going to ruin your shot if I'm a mobile podcasting? No, work it out, dude. I dig it. I know you're living <laughs> yeah. in Memphis. Yeah. I know uh, you're living in Memphis, the my home of Elvis Presley. Oh, my God. This guy? That guy kills the, it. 
Got this guy over here. Oh, that flick was awesome. Yeah, I, I, I collect Bollywood posters. It's a thing. And then... Uh, Bollywood and, scene. Oh, yeah. wow. That's is that the, Frank? Who's that? That is Shami Kapoor. Like spelled Shami, but it's like Shami. Um, and if you've ever seen... It was going around on um, the Facebooks for a minute. It's like an, a Bollywood movie that's like a dance number and there's a guy playing drums... It's from a movie called Teasery Manziel. And you need to see that movie. I do. Oh, and this guy, Shami Kapoor, is like, is an incredible um, comedian, like physical comedian. Um, yeah, you got. You yeah, got sing and dance guy. Uh, totally, dude. Totally. What's the, what, what was Lucille Ball's main man? Uh, did, uh, yeah, kind of that elk. Like musicians and comedy have, I mean, that's what's great about this podcast. And we met on a music comedy show. But in terms of entertainment, like those things mixed together, especially during the 40s and 50s. And, uh, you know, you had to have a couple jokes in your pocket. Oh, I lost you on the audio a little bit here, buddy. Sorry. Oh, man. Check. Check one. Did I fucking hear me? Yes, I can. Hold on. Check. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Got the lavender going. I got I had to bring out the Prince uh, headphones, my man. I didn't. There I want go. cold. I got these cold black ones, you know, from Staples yesterday, and they're already shorting out. I got the ten dollar, like fifteen dollar joints. I know you know your headphones. I know you know head. Uh, your headphone game must be crazy. Uh, it's not. It's not crazy. It's pretty good. You know, I don't. I'm not like an audiophile. I'm not one of those guys that like uses title instead of Spotify because I think it sounds better. You know, <laughs> I'm, I just like I like. You know, when I when I do a mix um, of a of a tune, I I bring it into my car and then I I literally play it on like the iPhone speakers um, and then on iPhone headphones. And that's how I can tell that something sounds good. And the better, the better your gear is, the less likely you are to sound good when you get to what everybody else is listening on. That makes sense. It totally like, uh, you don't have to be a snob to make good art. That's the thing I'm learning. No. No, you don't have snob. to be a, it's not, it's just, you got to do it, which is, which you do. If anybody knows, follow Mike Doty on all social media and also join his Patreon because he cranks out music and art at a clip. A lot of your peers aren't doing at all. Like, uh, yeah, or maybe yeah. they are, I don't want to judge or anything, but you're, you kind of win it at the futuristic rate that I saw it going. Am I correct by saying that? Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, but it re it's just because I work like this. It's not like, you know, I'm not like, you know, pressing against my own instincts to do this. I just, I love having the, I do a new song a week on my Patreon. Love having the pressure. It's like, kind of like a 60s vibe where it's like you have to come up with a single, like, it's not like you write an album and then you wait a year and a half and then record it all. It's like, gotta have a single, gotta have it this Yeah, month. yeah. The uh, Tin Pan Alley, we got to write a hit. We got yeah, 10 yeah. writers back here. Let's bang out some tunes. 
Let's come up with a dance craze. Yeah. yeah, let's come up with a dance craze. I heard hula hoops are hot. Let's see who's got a song about hula yeah. hoops. Boom. Boom. Let's go. Uh, that's that the thing about art and comedy is the same thing. Comedy is so hard. I mean, I, I, it's all hard to live the life of, you know, a constant artist, as you have done for over 30 years now. Yeah. Um, but what I've learned over time and the people that survive and you're doing it, and I think it's, is you just don't hold on sacred to your art. You just got to crank it out and just let it fly. You know, you just got to, like writing jokes. If I think about it, or if I uh, even idol worship or any of that shit, it kind of slows down the process. Oh yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to learn how to not make things be perfect, how to like, just kind of put it out in the world. And you know, like the, the great, I mean, the great thing about doing this for me is I, I can put it out there just in whatever form it's in and then a year and a half later, I'll make like an actual album and I can go back to it and change stuff, you know, which totally. is, I, I imagine like doing jokes at a club, you know, you take it to, you know, Union Hall, a little shindig, and then, you know, the basement of wherever, and then eventually you work it up to like a set set. So yeah, I love, I love working like that. I love working fast it's nothing ever really being done but you're still putting out into the world kind of a vibe yeah and that's the vibe and you have your own vibe i mean i'm just a huge fan of soul coughing and i'm oh. a huge fan of your new material uh yeah that 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 one album was amazing with the band it was 2014 on your way home what was uh it's one of my favorite newer songs with the banjo loop and oh. it was the same album with the Japanese rapper. Like, I love that Japanese. Yeah. I love that. That whole album back to forth. It's just dope. I have the whole thing. Stellar Motel. Yeah. 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 Stellar Motel. Stellar Everybody Motel. get Stellar Motel. Yeah. The song structure is beautiful. The, it's out of the pocket, but it sounds super clean and super fresh. And even the graphic design, the covers. Yeah. Dope. The cover is sick. Yeah. Every song sounds like it should be in a movie. Has those songs been <laughs> in any movies? Like, No, I mean, not recently. Um, there was a soul coughing song in the Michael Jordan documentary, but I that's about, that. yeah, that a wow. lot of gems for that one. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, it was meant to happen. I mean, move aside and let the man go through. Come on. It's yeah, you know, man. Move you know. upside, and I just watched it. Like, my brother's a full-on... Like, I was always kind of... I hung out with the arty kids uh, and the music dudes, and I knew dudes in metal bands, and I break dance and everything, but my brother was a full-on basketball jock and super funny, like, probably one of the funniest dudes. So he was on to the Jordan documentary early and just couldn't stop talking. And then I just watched it this week, and it just blew my mind. And I'm not even into sports. Yeah. I remember those moments, and I remember that time... And he, what do you, what's your opinion of Michael Jordan? Do you think he was a dick or do you think he was cool? I, I, one of my regrets, one of the dumbest things I ever didn't do was in 94, 95, I didn't go see Michael Jordan play basketball. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I could have just gone to Madison Square Garden and found a ticket on some, you know, you know, Knicks Bulls game that wasn't a big deal game. And I just could have seen the guy play and I never did it. 
and I'm not really a sports guy unless it's like playoffs or, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever. And same, then I same. get really, absorbed. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just like, you know, like I have a friend that, that um, feels stupid about never having seen Led Zeppelin, despite being a teenager in the 70s. He's like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, just, just yes. go see Led Zeppelin. He's, they're not going to be there forever. They're not so going to be like there. Huge regret of mine. Same, same. Like I remember him killing, and I remember those tickets being around, because, you know, NBA, they play every night. So exactly. he would be yeah. on the TV, so you would be watching him and being like, oh, my God, you know, just like even if you weren't into sports, you're like, you know, you knew you were watching Pele. You know, you're watching oh, yeah. one yeah. of the greats. That's the thing I, mean, I got from it, that he was just one of the greats, and he wanted, and he visualized it, you know, and he went yeah. hard in the paint, like, when he went to it, is like, dude, and my brother's like, oh, he's kind of mean. I'm like, mm, you, you, to be great, you don't have to be nice. That's the thing. You know, Mike, you've been great, but you know, <laughs> like, if you're doing it, if you're doing it correctly and you're in the pocket of the pocket, and I've yeah. got it with stand, it's like, it's a mindset that's like, dude, niceties are to the side. We got something to do right now. Yeah. We got to rock it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to make it a point not to meet people that I think are geniuses because um like steven merritt from the magnetic fields to me like one of the all-time geniuses wow and uh, i've had a bunch of opportunities to meet him and i've been like nope you know if i ever meet him and i actually have something to talk about you know like a work-related thing or a friend-related thing or whatever but i'm not just gonna walk up and be like hey man you're i listen to you and i like it you know but jordan is like I mean, it's just so poetic how he moves that, like, even on a level of of just, like, watching the guy dance is amazing. And I just regret, like, not getting my shit together. Yeah, I, I what I got when he was with Dean Smith and they were talking about the fundamentals and they were like, this guy has the fundamentals. Like, he right. built the house, the creative house was just built so firmly, you know? It was just like... Right, right, right. And then he just grew right into it. So it was just like, yeah, I was I feel the same way. I did get to see Run DMC in their time. I got to see That's right. That's right. Yeah, I saw Houdini. I so I know that feeling yeah. because I do take those shows to my heart. You know, it's just like there's nothing better than a rock show or a big game, like just that feeling of being, and I'm not a sports dude, but I, we went to RFK when I growing up in DC. I saw the Redskins play those big 80s games. And you just get swept into it, man. It's just, it's fun. Yeah, oh, it's totally fun. I mean, it's like, I don't like baseball. I like going to baseball games. Yeah. You know, it's like sitting there and like being chill and eating the damn pretzels. You know, it's just like the chillest place to be in the world. All day, all day. Yeah, all day, literally all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm about the Coney Island uh, Cyclones, man. Have oh, you yeah? Have that place? I have not. I have not. Dude, if you're when you're back up here, try to sneak away. It is so no. chill. It's on the water. You see the ocean. So the field I, is I like Yeah, and they I play music and shit. You know, I was gonna ask you, because you were how long did you live in Brooklyn? Like when you were here, you were entrenched, and I was like, oh my God, that's the dude from Soul Coffin over there walking. <laughs> uh, well, but you've been in here for a while when I was here. Yeah, I was I got to New York in 89 and I left in 2015. Um, and there was like a year in London, kind of in the middle there, because I had a girlfriend that lived there and 
it was like there was a time when soul coughing was on tour literally seven months eight months out of the year um so you know it was like two weeks here two weeks there i spent in london i didn't have an apartment but actually don't even live yeah you're not living somewhere you're on the road yeah there was a a point in time where where warner brothers would kind of pay for anything um and so i i didn't have an apartment and you know so i would just like find a hotel to stay in and be like oh yeah i'm working on uh working on a recording yeah gotta gotta get a room at soho grand yeah i'm just gonna be working for about a month you know like you know, and they, they don't fucking care. They got plenty of money. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I was just thinking, I mean, you, if Mike has a really great book and I read this book, even when I was Seattle, I read your book like in 48 hours. He has a great book that he cranked <laughs> out uh, about his life and about like, yeah, you signed a record deal when fucking record deals were record deals. Like, yeah. And, and not when record deals were record deals. It was like record deals on steroids. Like the music industry was just throwing around crazy yeah. cocaine oil money everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. It couldn't it get like hotter than the 80s. And you were yeah, right yeah. snap dab in the middle of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and the Beastie Boys. Yep. You were right in there. Yep. Yep. And in terms of culture, it was just a huge, I don't think people realize like the wave of culture that it just pushed through. And uh, yeah, you're lucky to be alive, Mike. I'm looking at you. you how yeah. how old were you when you signed your record deal? 23. <sighs> yep. And I, while we were making the first album, we made it in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess it, uh, April, while we were making it is when the OJ Bronco drive happened. Oh, and actually I got, I got to LA on the day Kurt Cobain died. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And I didn't like, I went to stay at this friend of mine's house that had no TV, no heat. And it was me and my girlfriend. And so I land and she's like, I think something happened to Kurt Cobain. I'm like, I think that was like a month ago, right? In Italy. And so we didn't know for like three days. We hung out in this house for three days and then, you know, came out and found that the world had changed. But here's the thing is so loving didn't really make any money but we got a lot of shit paid for like a lot of a lot of hotel rooms paid for a lot of buses you know know the gig man yeah um and it was all because of nirvana it was all because there was when nirvana happened nobody in the music business had any idea what it was about and they were just like signing bands if they didn't understand it I mean, like the the Melvins were on Atlantic, man. I mean, come on, the boredom, the board fucking boredoms were on reprise. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like they were, they were just like, we don't get this. Let's give them money. Like let's get them before anybody else does. Yeah, yeah. It was just the rise of the alt world. It was the rise of all yeah. those dirty record stores that we all went to go get. Fucking no. nothing. No. El- nothing matters. The first louder than love album. I got that first. Like. I was early into Soundgarden. Like, it was just this wave of uh, kind of just different than cheese rock that's been going right. on f- underneath it all th- forever that wasn't really recognized by the mainstream. And then all of a sudden, you guys were the mainstream. And, uh, yeah, you're you're buying long limos with jacuzzis and shit like that to go well, do we, an album. No. <laughs> we had no limos. It took a lot of car services, though. Yeah, yeah. Took yeah. a lot of like, you know, like like very long car service rides, you know, up to Washington Heights and shit. Because 
I could like, you know, they gave you these vouchers. I had, I had these vouchers for United Airlines business class vouchers. Ooh. And so I would just go and just hand them one. Like those, those are the days, man. I'm going just to like, Austin. Fuck. Yeah, I'm going to Austin. Yeah. I'm going to Chicago. Here you go. Yeah. I just took a cab here. Nobody's oh, hitting just, me up. Yeah. They just gave you a stack. They're, you know, and they, you know, and then they never asked. And oh, then it wow. was just like, yeah, they just assumed. And I mean, in fairness, pretty much everything I did had something to do with music and had something to do with like soul coughing and promoting soul coughing. So, you know, and it's not like I was putting them out of house and home by like, you know, taking a $30 uh, car service ride every other night. You know, they were just fine. Yeah, they, they were fine. No, no, no. They weren't worried about you. They weren't even, yeah, your 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 dessert habit and your transportation. They were making yeah, so yeah. much money. Like those albums, the artists, it's just weird. You know, you guys are getting paid one penny to 10 cents on each album. Right. These things are doing right. like 2 million, you know, for this building for of dudes that have been there for 100 years. Yeah, it's just- Well, a, we just, sorry. We just, um, so you have an, a recoupment account, right? So all of this stuff, the, the car services, the hotels, whatever, it goes on your recruitment account. And the way a record deal worked, probably still works with major labels, is they just keep you in debt. You're never going to pay them back. You're never going to make a royalty. They're just, you go to them for money when you need money, and you're like, you know, we're going to make another album when you get some money, and they would give you money. But you're never, they put themselves in a place where there's never royalties to pay. And so you have this number, you don't even know what it is because it's like, you do a photo session, oh, you got to pay for that. And you do a video, you got to pay for that. And, you know, just fine, it's on the recruitment account, whatever. And the Soul Coffee catalog was just bought by this Swedish company because when uh, Warner went to AT&T, they just sold off everything that didn't sell a zillion copies. And uh, we, we found out we had a, only $100,000 left to recoup. <laughs> which was like and everyone was like whoa really like that's amazing <laughs> like only a hundred grand congratulations <laughs> you know yeah i didn't i didn't see you as a cheese ball i know you were gonna you weren't doing the lobster bisque every morning uh no the company no. count uh, no no definitely uh, not but at the same yeah that's just so tempting as i mean you got everything a 23 year old would want i mean you got i mean you had a you had you had the recording track. You had the music, the beats. I mean, your music is so funky. That's the thing. It's funky. You know, right. you can't deny those tracks are funky. They're some of the funkiest tracks out there, and you have that forever. Uh, well, so it's I'm, a, I'm actually going back to that now. Um, yeah. I tried to get Soul Coughing together to make a record, a new record, and it was not, you know, no no surprise. But so I'm I made it. It, with um, Mario Caldato, the Beasties guy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm Mario C, yeah. Mario, Mario C likes to keep it clean. Yeah, that's Mario C likes to keep it clean. No, that's a good guy for you, man. Yep. So we're going to, I have like three songs coming out uh, later this summer, maybe late this month, early next month. And then the full album's coming out in 2021. And uh, it's fucking great. And it really is. Um, I just when I moved to Memphis, I just found myself 
working with breakbeats, working with samples. Um, I started writing upright bass lines on my phone. I just like <laughs> got an iPhone and I was like, Garage Band, what's that about? I just started writing these bass lines. And I looked up and I was like, well, I've written a soul coughing album. You know, so. No I, doubt, dude. No, I like I, even I, the newer stuff. I think, no, I think you're the brainchild of music. And yeah, that's all the guts that's in there, man. Um, and this new album, yeah, with Mario C and the stuff. Are you originally from the South? Are you from Tennessee? No, my dad's from Louisiana. So I kind of know my way around down here. But I, you know, Memphis has loomed large in my life musically forever. And uh, I just got, I got up to a point where it's like, well, I want to like buy a house and, you know, I want to not live in New York. And then what, well, you know, I love New York. I'm not, anybody that's like New York is over, they're not your friend. Like don't, <laughs> don't hang out with them, get away from them. I just, it was time, it was time to You split. knew it, yeah. And yeah, yeah, you've like, been here forever, dude. I get it, dude, I get it. And it's always, the thing yeah. about New York, it's always here for you. And you know yeah. everything, so it's always here for you. But and but the South is cool. I mean, I grew up a lot of my life in Virginia. My dad's all oh, from yeah? Southern, yeah, town of Pound, Virginia, five hundred on the tip of Tennessee, like small coal mining family. Like, yeah, my grandfather was a child coal miner in Virginia. My dad wow. was a public school teacher in Kentucky. Yeah, so I know the South, and musically they were amazing. I have uh, one one of my cousins is in Nashville, who's a singer songwriter girl yeah. that graduated from UVA, and then another cousin like she, in the 70s she almost popped she was Cantrell and she like mm. uh she was just a they all sang and played music like they didn't watch tv like if they, they were old, the old my cousins were like 10 years older than I was but everybody knew how to play guitars and everybody knew how to sing and it all came to the church I'm just saying the south has such a good music like are you finding inspiration down there like well I do find question, the south's more su like musical in a way was it Laura Cantrell Laura Kitt, no, I, I do know who that is. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It, it just occurred to me. That never occurred to me. She might before. be related to me. She might be. There's a, we used to go do a Cantrell reunion. It was like, there's a whole town I'm related to everybody. Like everybody's right, right. a Cantrell. Like there's, there's, there's a, like, uh, yeah, it just goes back, man. It's just an old, old Southern redneck, not redneck. They All, all of my uncles and stuff were more like mountain people. And musical right. and artistic and played, you know, all played. I have my guitar and I'm playing a little bit, but I, I was forced to play the violin when Man. I was young. So it turned me off to doing music. Like yeah. I like break dancing and beats and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. I, uh, a guy was repairing something in my house and this is my like studio everything that guitar room. is so sick that you use that green oh the thing. green guy yeah the green guy i love that thing oh my yeah, god i do too so he so he looks in the room and he goes he goes are you a producer and it it, it just it occurred to me like and this guy he wasn't like a kid he was in his 30s and so we like there's a point where at some point you know what a producer is and that's an instrument and it's not like you go oh are you a uh, you know, guitar player, you musician, it's, are you a producer? And I guess I am, but it was just like, it's like, that is the instrument now. Making beats is the instrument. Doing whole tracks, that's the instrument that people learn. And you learn it on a laptop. Get a $200 fucking 
you know, Android whatever and, you know, um, get GarageBand on a phone and, you know, you're making records. You're making yeah. real records. Yeah, it's it's a different, it's the same thing with comedy. Anybody with a phone could be an Instagram comedian, right. you know? Right. It's a part of it. But at the same time, it's super fresh because it is taking the power out of the man's hand. It's pretty much yeah. up to, like, there's just no room to be bitter anymore because we have all the tools. It's like, if you want to go do it, you got to go, you know, you got, right. th it's all right there. Even to crowd, like, you're handling your Patreon. Your Patreon looks super healthy. I just started mine. Yeah. It's super uh, But isn't yeah. that a dope concept as a dude that went through the 90s and then to have a Patreon? Like, oh, shit, this shit's yeah, connected yeah. right to my account. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not taking car services anymore, but but in terms of, like, actually making money, I was broke in the 90s. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. I was, I, like, I, so I had that apartment for years and, you know, just, just on tour and going to my girlfriends in London, coming back. So finally one day we were recording in New York and I was like, I'm going to get an apartment. It's time to get an apartment. So I got a place on Rivington Street on the Lower East Side. And I immediately found out I couldn't afford it. <laughs> I could not afford my $1,300 studio apartment. And I was like, wow. So, so, so I didn't happen to notice while all this was going down. And this was like when Circles was on MTV and yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, this is the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you were like, if anybody doesn't know, like, he, like, Soul Coughing in the, I would say, was it 96, 97? Yeah, Circles broke the top 40. Like, Casey Kasem said yep. your name. That's my, <laughs> that's my deal. That's my claim is I have uh, a, one song that went to number 38 on the Billboard Top 40. I am a one hit wonder, my friend. Yeah, man. I am a one hit wonder. Because, and you know, people act like that's a diss to call somebody one hit wonder. It is not because most people in the world are a no hit wonder. Yeah. And so I just love, I love like, yeah, number 38, Billboard charts, one hit wonder, 38, just barely, barely made it. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, there's no claim. I mean, your songs are some of the dope. I mean, for me, Move Upside, Let the Man Go Through, all those yeah. songs, you know, $300 is one of my favorite. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. $300. I played it going on stage a couple times, even before I met you. I would have a, like a comedy club play it. Right. Because right, I just right. thought the beats were stacked ill. And yeah, your poetry style. Uh, I've been watching uh, Rolling Thunder right now. Like, I see you kind of like more Bruce Springsteen and even more Bob Dylan. Like, you're, I see you as kind of a singer songwriter guy that sure. knows how to do funky beats and can do poetry too. Like, you're, you have a poetic style. Me and my friends figured out when we were teenagers that subterranean homesick blues was rapping. Like we were like, he's rapping. Yeah. And that changed everything. That was the first thing that turned me toward like away from indie rock, although I never dropped the indie rock thing, pushed me towards becoming like a quasi rapper or whatever it is you call what I do. But yeah, yeah, you weren't afraid to do it. And it was during a time where there wasn't really white rappers, but your thing wasn't even rapping. It was like this music. That's why I thought it was just so dope. But yeah, you, it does. If you like hip hop, you loved your tunes. As a dude yeah. that just like, yeah. like you were like, you just felt them. It, it had like almost, it was almost like somebody that's a singer songwriter guy playing with hip hop. 
You know, right. like you, like you just was like, oh, I can fuck around with this shit. I know how to. Yeah, totally. and, and then, and then it it sounded great and sounded awesome. You know, one of the best things that happened in those years was there was a minute where KRS-One was an a r guy at Warner Brothers. Wow. And never met him. But apparently at the big yearly marketing meeting where they go through every single release that's coming out um, over the year, they play a little bit, they play the single, and everyone feed, gives feedback on it. And what he said was, I like those guys because they're not trying to be something they're not, which is like, which is the ultimate compliment, is to take something that you love, that influences you, and to be yourself, not to put on a front. And so most of like the, you know, the white dudes rapping, I was like, come on. Like <laughs> it would be so much more interesting if you were you. Like yeah. you could do something really great if you were like the beasties, they're them, yeah. you know? Even like, but it took them yeah. a minute, you know. You kind of came right out and did. You just had a you. You have a Mike Doty thing. That's what I think. Yeah, I like you have a certain style that's not even hip hop. It's all you have. Like it's funky. It's country. It's like rock and roll. It's mm -hmm. it's Elvis. Mm -hmm. It's Kiss. It's a little bit of everything that I did. I like the use of Kiss. Thank you for putting for throwing Kiss in there. Yeah, man. Because uh, yeah, you do have. I was gonna say. In terms of cheese metal, what were, did you ever go through a cheese metal phase? And do you still did like I it? ever? Yeah, did let's I get ever. into it. And with oh, no shame. Yeah. Um, well, I remember um, when I saw Beat Street. Oh, yeah. It was, I did, like, I guess I was like 12, 13, did not get rap music. But it was, there were kids in the theater like chanting with it, knew all the songs, like standing up and dancing in the middle of the movie. And I was so energized by it, so like freaked out that I like ran home and put on uh, Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue and cranked it. And it was like, <laughs> whatever this feeling is, like, I gotta feel this. Like, I gotta feel this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that says a lot. I totally get that read because I was a kid, we only owned, when we had a VCR at home, I only had two tapes and one was Beat Street and one was right. 16 Candles. Like I saw those oh, two yeah. films on loop. That was just on loop at the Cantrell's house. That's what I just had on loop, always playing on the VCR. But I know that energy, but I also know that early metal scene had it too. And Molly Crew was, uh, cause I remember that first ACDC tour coming through Virginia that was oh, like, yeah. Those hell bells, like when those kids went to that concert and came back to school, it was like, yo, they rolled out a big cannon and they yeah, blasted yeah. that shit. And yeah, yeah. all the greasy haired, like just long haired, just grazzled dude. Yeah, we used to drink a six pack of beer and went in there and listened to fucking. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God. You know, it was just like a crazy, crazy uh, movement. And uh, it's Molly Crew, like I'm not a big fan of cheese metal, but that first album, and you know, Run uh, Free. A little bit faster, because Livewire, that's a good tune. Fuck yeah. Livewire, because it has the cowbell and the drums, is just fucking sick yeah, and yeah. raw. Like, I, so I two, like that album. Two songs on Shout of the Devil. Uh, Knock em Dead Kid and Bastard. Oh, wow. Not singles, but like still on the mix <laughs> of, you know, like the master playlist for, for the long drives and get cranked when they come on. like. Sort of deep cuts, totally. If anybody wants to like experience 
Motley Crue, I, those, those are my recommendations. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, I, I always say a live, I think, a live, yeah, it's live wire is good. And then uh, the cheesy ballad, the On My Way Home. Home. Yeah, Sweet Home, Home Sweet Home, I think. Oh, oh Home Sweet Home. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a decent tune. It's a decent tune, written by fucking Tommy Lee. <laughs> Can he play the piano for real? Yeah, like he it's sat not down. Bad piano. You know, I don't know if he did it on the album or if they hired somebody, but he really was like, you know, drummer doing a lot of cocaine. Went home with "I'm a Dreamer," "Hearts of Gold." Yeah, it definitely has an Elton John. Yeah, so much coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're beyond gay. It's like beyond. Uh, you're, just, you're on your way home. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I liked. Uh, yeah, I, what about Cinderella? Did you like them? Cinder, Cinderella was like a little bit after I was too cool for it. Yes. Uh, my, my bass player, Scrap, was all about Cinderella. Still all about Tom Kiefer, you know, like talks about them, talks about what he was doing that was really interesting. He had a cool and, voice. They had a couple good songs. Gypsy yep. Road was kind of good. Yep, yep, that was good. Um, but metal, it was like, boy, I remember Rats Round and Round. Oh. That was huge. Still a good uh, tune. That, that oh, tune holds incredible. up. It go, it's on that commercial, and it's like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if they're talking to me about insurance. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, well, ACDC, ACDC transcends the genre. Yes. ACDC is like John Coltrane or the Beatles or Hank Williams. It's like they're their genre but there's so much more than that it's but, greatness yeah there's just yeah, like you just know like, who you yeah. are and then you own it you know yeah yeah and they, that you know and you own it it's like if you know who you are, you can't nobody can diss you if you own it you know yeah if you're you and if you're like the youest version of you you can be like that's that's how you make real art in my opinion yeah totally and yeah. uh because acdc as you know and you come from like they weren't looked as music snobs weren't giving them like, you know, super hipsters weren't fucking with ACDC, you know? Well, you know, but you know, their first US gig was CBGB. Wow. And they were like, and all the punks were like, you guys are all right. <laughs> like they had, they had respect on that scene. Like you guys, you know, you are not some fucking corporate rock, shiny behemoth, like, like there, like that world was like you guys are real, and I don't know if like you'd ever see Richard Hell sport a you know uh, highway to hell T-shirt, but certainly that like they were undeniable. Yeah, you know when you said that, what came to me was like yeah, it was pretty much Ramones. It was like a bluesy slower Ramones. Yeah. Ramones. Yeah. You know Ramones were doing yeah. the same like dude, we know what we got. We got Coca-Cola. With the real sugar, yep. not the fucking bullshit sugar. We got some fucking Mexican sugar in this shit. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna hand it out. We don't care if it causes cancer. <laughs> does it cause cancer? No, the other oh. shit probably does. Yeah, oh, the, the real sugar does. probably is good for you. Yeah, yeah. I love the Mexican Coke. And I love yeah. RC. Yeah. Like R RC's all right, man. RC's all right, <laughs> man. I always I I mean, as I used to have a patch that had RC on it. Because uh, yeah, my name go. is Rob Cantrell, and uh, but there the font go. is dope. It's great graphic design. RC great logo, design. you got the red, white, and blue. There you, you go. Got fat wavy things mm -hmm. going on. 
and you just like they're they're like the ACDC of cola. They don't yeah. give a fuck. We're not Coke. <laughs> we're not Pepsi. Fuck you. We're RC Cola. Yeah, we're at a family picnic and it's lukewarm, yes. and we got a bag yeah. of potato chips that is barbecue. <laughs> it was North Carolina barbecue Utz chips, and we got some RC Cola. My <laughs> shit is um, uh, RC like when I when when I need a thing, I go to the Marathon gas station down the street from me, and I get uh, RC Cola and wrap snacks. Yes. So into wrap snacks. Yes. Um, the I believe it's the Migos ones. That's like 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 uh, super. What what are they called? The popcorn with the with the cheese on it. Yes. There's like a fancy group. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. this is like ultra. Like that. Like it just dust white dust of shit. Artificial cheddar all over yes. you. The Cardi B ones are great. Um, the Fetty Wap ones are great. It's barbecue like. That's like RC Cola and wrap snacks. That's everything. Yeah, that's everything. It's salt and sugar right there. You got it right there in great packaging. And uh, yeah, there's nothing better than a nasty bag of chips or not even a nasty, a fresh bag of chips, especially down south. I don't know. There's something about getting barbecue chips or just getting a salty snack. Right. And then an RC Cola. Uh, You know, what's one of my favorites is have you ever had a Verner's? Burner's no. ginger ale. If you're in Michigan, they got burners. Uh, it's Burner. a Midwest thing. And uh try Burner's. It's just a ginger ale that's that like it makes your nose almost bleed. It makes it just pops, man. You drink it, and you're like, oh my God, this was like a ritual. So try that's that. Want. That's that's one of my like favorite sodas. That's what's in, that's what I need in my life is a soda that's actually painful. You know, so I can. <laughs> So I can really feel, you know, it's like, like somebody who's into BDSM because they want to like really feel when they get, it's like, I need a soda. I need like a salt bomb soda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you like, want the soda so good that it makes your teeth squeak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you like a soda that will not quench your thirst yeah. because there's so much bad shit in it that you're just going to keep, yeah, keep going back. It's like I'm thirsty again seconds later, you know, because there's like salt and sugar and like all that shit in there. Oh yeah. That's what that's about living. what about orchata? You fuck with orchata at all? A little bit. Not I'm not an expert. Not uh burritos. I fuck with a little bit. Yeah. Um, I like green. I don't know what, what it is, but I you know, green. Green sauce? I like the the green no, sauce. Green, uh, green Haritos. Oh wow. Haritos. Yeah, no, generally. Yeah, Haritos. Like, yeah. I like flavors that you don't really like blue. Like whatever a blue soda is or a blue drink, it's not really a flavor. The flavor is blue. Like, <laughs> blue is a great flavor. Those are really good in the icies. Like the icies, yeah. like the sticks of ice. If you get the blue mm-hmm. flavor and then let it melt, and yeah. then you get the super syrup from that, man. We used to buy those flavor ices and not freeze them. <laughs> that was the thing, man. Yeah, man. That's a that you. Yeah, you cut one step out of it. You were, you oh, were yeah. a smart kid. It was a liquid pixie stick, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, we'll, we'll keep. I mean, we're having such a great talk. I just want to get on music before I let you go oh, sure. and just like oh, that was the shit that I was most interested in. 
Well, I, I do want to go back to the Bollywood. I think it's, I need, I do need to look at Bollywood. You're right. I need to study that art form. I, I don't even study it. Just get um, Teasery Manziel. Um, that's your most like, that's their Elvis. Oh, this is that, the comic dude. Teasy. That is the joint. Yeah. Let me see if, is this going to be backwards if I hold it up? I'm going to we'll write it hold up. It up. People, I can freeze frame it and stuff and take a look at it and Google it up. That's it. You see that? Oh, Manziel. Manziel. Yes. And yeah. he is a singer, songwriter, Bollywood star. No, no, he's like, so his thing is he was a he was a like a um a leading man, and then he got a little bit fat and he couldn't dance. And that's the thing in Bollywood, is like you gotta dance. Yeah. So they were like, no, you have to dance. And so it was like, okay. And so he has this hilarious, like, comic dancing style. And it's this is the best one because it takes place in a nightclub that he owns it, and his character's name is Rocky. Um, <laughs> and, like, it says, like, a drunk, it says Rocky on it. He's got a drum solo. Oh. Got, it's, it's the best. He's got some congas. Yeah, yeah, he, he does it all. Wow. Um, the and the shit. outfits, like, their style, that, I guess uh, any of the listeners... Like Bollywood, it's from Bali, right? It's their film from from India. From India, okay. It's from yeah, India. Named after Bombay. Bombay, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry, I got uh, eight hundred on the SAT. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I broke a thousand after the the, the Princeton review, uh, but it's in Bombay and. Uh, and it's this film movement and they have their own Hollywood and it's almost like musical and it's like vibrant colors. And just like, if you're into graphic design and art, oh, yeah. it's the yeah, shit. Yeah. But you could get, you can get the DVD of Cheese Your Menzel on, uh, I think I got it on Amazon actually, but you could definitely get it on eBay. And uh, I'm sh I think there's a, there's a bootleg version up on YouTube, but I don't think it's subtitled. And you need the subtitles because it's in Hindi. I can't wait um, to check it out. Oh, dude, it's so, I mean, if you get high, man, all I got to say is you're welcome. I just, <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> uh, no, he sounds fresh. And I do know yeah. that they're all about fashion. And it's the thing that's cool about the Bollywood scene is like they amplify the art design as well as the music. So the music's right. dope too. I was gonna ask, have you ever sampled, do people sample Bollywood? Oh. Cause it's got that weird like Jay-Z, is that what he was sampling? He was, that was Bangra, which is yes. like after, like like Bollywood is like old. It's like eighties and before. That's it's their fifties music. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got these huge string sounds and like, you know, this tabla. Have you ever seen the Harry Krishnas? when they're, they're out and they're playing these incredibly funky beats and you're like looking at them, you're like, you're the Krishnas, how are you funky? And you just can't help the Samunra. It's, it's that kind of beat and it's so great. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, Have you sampled any of it? I've certainly tried. I don't know if I have anything that's really worked out, but I've sampled it. I've gone and like found samples of those kind of drums, like that string sound. Um, yeah. the, my yeah. first, so, you know, back in the day, like late 80s, you would never, um, you know, you'd hear it on like a cab radio 
And it's like, what is this? It's like this weird space music, you know, like crazy strings and oh, high voice and stuff. And so we would just talk about like, it's Bollywood music. What is it? And, you know, nobody knew anything about it. Finally, I went into a bodega and I, I asked the guy, I was like, look, what is this? And he goes, I'll sell you the tape. And I was like, fuck yeah, five bucks bought on the tape. It was called Viva Geet. And I don't know, didn't know anything about it for years and years. Cause you know, before Google, yeah. you know, you, it was like this world that you would never know anything about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, and man, just like Bollywood from the 60s and 70s, so beautiful, so weird, so yeah. weird. That's dope, man. I love it. I'll check it out for sure because, yeah, you listen to so much music that, you, you know, as comedy, like I can, I have to watch all different kinds and listen right. to stuff. Did you ever go through an opera phase? No, you know what's funny is I heard, I actually heard a Maria Callas tune in the Avengers. I don't even know what the, what the opera was, but like, like the Hulk is listening on a, on a pair of headphones to opera. And I like went running towards the TV with Shazam open on my phone. And so that's like the first real opera that I've, uh, I've actually put on a playlist. So I don't know that much about. I, yeah, oh, I haven't you know dug into about? opera. I never because my dad was into it. My dad was like from the south, but my dad listened to uh, he listened to Hank Williams, and he also listened to a lot of Willie Nelson, like all that shit. But then he also got into a weird opera thing, and he was all about opera and had a bunch of opera records. So it was always I, playing. But it's uh, I, as a voice, it's kind of interesting, right? As a singer. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't do that shit. I, I want to say that since you probably have a stoner element in your audience, possibly. Yes. Um, there's two pieces of classical music I would recommend. One is Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. Get a system with some bass on it, turn it up, get high, sit on the couch, and listen to that shit. It will blow your fucking mind. Oh, that's right? great. Thank you. You're welcome. The other one is Glenn Gould's Goldberg Variations. And he did it he, he did it twice in his life. He did it in the 50s and he did it in the 80s. And he it it sounds mechanical. It's like this weird like mechanical monster and the rhythms are totally perfect and it's like this weird stiff freaky machine coming at you and here's the thing is despite that perfection he couldn't help himself but to make weird guttural noises while he played. So you hear this incredible, pristine, mechanical piano playing, and somewhere deep in the back, you hear a guy going, <laughs> and like nobody, he was like a notorious, like eccentric, and everyone was like, how can you be such a perfectionist and allow this groaning to get on there? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm Glenn fucking Gould, man. He had to get it out, man. That was his soul music. He had to get it out, man. Yeah, he couldn't help it. Yeah, he couldn't help it. That's uh, yeah, and that's very complex and just very yeah, intellectually hard and to execute. Like yeah, it's very but, inspiring. But those are the, are two pieces of classical music that you don't have to understand anything. You don't have to have like a background and you know there's you just you just like crank up 
Yeah, I can't. I, I'm going to check those out because yeah. I do like to contemporary music and stuff like that. But I have been getting into jazz, and my argument mm. with jazz is sure. even trance or any of that stuff. It's like I love hip hop. I love singer songwriters, but sometimes you just don't want to listen to a dude talk. That's right. Like when you're writing, you don't you don't want somebody talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen those That's YouTube? Right. What is it? The slow hip hop. With the animation joints, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a girl petting a cat, and it's got like yeah, these yeah. slow beats. It's so great. That and I guess it's about ten years out of fashion, but vaporwave. What was you that? Vapor Dude, vaporwave. You're more techy than me. Vaporwave is is like it's all sort of CD one hundred one point nine. It all sounds like the groove from um, Boogie in Your Butt by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> like that kind of like weird light 80s funk. Yeah, man. Yeah. Really short loop, so it's really kind of insane and repetitive. And then they use these images of, um, like, like there's one that's just a loop of Mac Tonight. You know, the Mac Tonight guy with the giant head? Yeah. Oh, that wow. fucking video. Yeah. And it's, it, here's the thing is it's like, it's old news. It's, it's from 2012. Like, we are way late on this. We are not cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm into it. No, what, I, what yeah. I've been doing into this podcast, so the video goes up on my Patreon. So that's behind the uh, wall. And then the audio goes to, you know, iTunes or whatever. But right. the, the YouTube, I just took, uh, I just took just scene, uh, just like nature scenes. Like uh, volcanoes right. and flying through space, lots of space, lot of, and I just line right. them up, and then I'll have this playing, so it's something visually to look at. Because I am an old jam, I like I like Almond Brothers. I saw sure. I saw Dave Matthews at a house party when I was sixteen. Really? Like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Buena Vista was like an hour away from Charlottesville, and then right. he would play. My brother went to Hampton Sydney College. And so he would play the circuit, UVA. He played all those, sure. that college scene. So yeah, I saw Dave Matthews in a, uh, in a, at, a at a house party, literally like right. just, just burning the place down. And he just had this unique uh, sound. But you were signed to his label for a while. Was yeah, right? I was. I was. Um, and uh, dude was good to me, man. He's, he's like a Soul Coffin fan. And uh, he actually, so I hadn't been on a label for like three or four years in the early 2000s. And uh, he found me, I was at Bonnaroo and he had heard an EP that I did. And so like, I, I was all ready to be like, hey man, you know, I got this thing I'm working on. He was into it, the song 27 Jennifer's. Like he and his wife were jamming on that song. Oh yeah. Actually, I, I work with Chris Tetzelli, who's one of his original uh tour managers and is now like a, a, a like a manager manager well-known manager um you know and he he all he tells the story that um he got into business school at uva and it was like a week before the semester started and dave's manager who ran a tracks do you remember tracks yeah i saw stuff i saw harder they come play they would play like jamaican music <laughs> they would play yeah. the harder they come they would play the uh the movie because you couldn't see it anywhere. They were like the hipster music venue. Yeah, so I saw yeah. some good shit. I thought I think I saw Steel Pulse there one time. He um, so the uh, the guy who who owned Tracks, still Dave's manager, called up Chris and was like, you know, I could teach you more. 
if you if you drop out and you know and come with me and so chris had to call his um mom up and be like hey i'm dropping out of school i'm gonna go haul amps for my friend's band and you know however crazy it must have sounded he's like he's a baller now yeah that's the word on the street that that is the word i mean i say it on the street but in virginia like yeah, a lot of people ended up working for him in like yeah. regular jobs. Like he he created an industry, I would say, of yeah. like 200, maybe 500 people. Oh, yeah. That oh, had absolutely. real jobs because Dave Matthews was a success. You know, that's yeah, not yeah. even oh. like the bands and stuff like that. That's like, like you said, like some kid going to law school and being like, no, we kind of got a business. We can see the money. We need people to see the money over here. Right, right, right. That's what people don't understand in the success. I, I also did Bonnaroo. I got to do Bonnaroo. I, I did a show with uh, J.B. Smooth. And uh, oh, Greg wow. Giraldo was there. I hung out with Greg Giraldo. And it was me and J.B. Smooth, Baron Vaughn. But the bands were, I got to see Melvins. Me and Reggie Watts went and watched the Melvins together. Wow. And uh, the Flaming Lips were there. And uh, yeah, it was, but oh, I, what I was going to say is, so I got to eat where the artists, you know, you got to go in the tent where the artists were. Yeah. And they it was bomb, right? It, they they had everything. Oh, yeah. The spread yeah. was insane because it was all the oh. rock stars. It was all dudes like you rolling in and all their agents demanding, you know, uh shrimp tartare. And there was like, so not you, but you know not what the me, scene was. Like, but I'll eat Radiohead's food all day long. Me like, too. No doubt about it. Oh, but yeah. What tripped me out, I looked over and there was a table of suits eating. Like, it was like all accountants. It was like yeah. two picnic tables of lawyers and accountants oh, yeah. were yep. sitting over there eating. I was like, whole, like, that's, you get reminded what show business, you know, it's a part of it. You know, it's just a part well, that, of the I mean, gig, yo. The, the Dave world, the DMB world is really interesting because it's like, um, it's just solid people with jobs who live in fucking Virginia, you know, like they're not in LA or Nashville or, or New York. Um, every year at Bonnaroo, like there's like a mobilization. So like I work with a, with an accountant and his assistant and then somebody else at that company, this accounting company um, that are in the Dave universe. And every year at Bonnaroo, pull up stakes, go down to Bonnaroo. They, you know, get a trailer and sleep on a tour bus and, you know, there's like a, a weekend of hardcore work, like all uh, everybody, everybody goes there. Yeah, Virginia's, you know? I mean, I have to yeah. say, yeah, my dad's buried there. Virginia's good people. It's mm. just, it is good. There, The South is tricky, as we all know, but there is right. really good people. Like the good people in Virginia are just good people. And I, I did, yeah. I got to go do, my brother lives in Norfolk and I got to perform with Tracy Morgan. We flew a jet down to Norfolk. Oh, with Tracy Morgan, That's I got bad. to open for him, and my little and my nephew's doing stand up too. Like he's like sixteen, so he got to meet Tracy Morgan. So it was a crazy. But uh, that's what Tracy said. He was like hanging out with like it was five different shows, and he's like, he's just hardcore South Bronx, New York. But he was like, yo, these are good people. He's like, these are. <laughs> he's like, yo, these Virginia, these are good people. They might be country, but these are good fucking people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and yeah. he always shoot. You know how New Yorkers shoot the truth? Like, there's no bullshit. Yeah. And that's I mean, when I, I was like, like, yeah, that's the gig, man. Virginia's got some good people. Carborough, North Carolina, Memphis, Nashville, New Orleans, Atlanta, Athens, you know, even Tallahassee. Like, there's just, like, grooviness happening there. Louisville, Kentucky. 
to consider Kentucky the South, which not everybody does. Yeah, I, I will. I always say that, like, I think I've been around the block, not to say I, I've been around the block, but I say, like, the coolest people I know, like, the very, very coolest are people from the South that aren't racist. <laughs> well, in the cities, yeah. like, it's, you know, it's all groovy people. It's groovy. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, it's just like anywhere. It's not just the South. Like, you can't give the South just, yeah. it's like anywhere, just that yokel local vibe man you get it in new york the yokel local vibe man it's just like it's a stronghold of mediocrity that it's like yeah i, I don't have to play by these rules like nobody <laughs> so midtown that. memphis where i live is like hipsterland been there for a million years there's still a bernie sticker on every car it's valley of the bernie stickers right wow um yeah that like, awesome. it's great it's it's Super liberal and, you know, like it's got the hipster infrastructure of your record stores and your yoga and your coffee and weird <laughs> vegan food, all that shit, which I'm all about, actually, and no, no denying it. Same, um, same. And then you drive a little bit out of town into East Memphis and all of a sudden the Trump signs start. So, like, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing about being a blue bubble it's not just the cities in the Northeast. And by the way, I grew up in upstate New York and that is like, Trumpy as fuck. Yeah, man. You know, like Orange County, New York, Trumpy as fuck. Yeah, dude. Um, and, uh, you know, so the blue bubble, it's just a teeny, tiny little blue bubble. Hey, I don't know if you knew any, like, 22-year-olds who were shocked that Bernie lost because they didn't know anybody that, that didn't vote for him. Um, but that was totally, like, it's this kind of town that all the 22 year olds were like but i don't know anybody that voted any wouldn't vote for bernie how did he you know like that kind of yeah you know cut off from from the rest of the world not not to to no it's like the stronger the red the stronger the blue like the the stronger those liberal towns those hipster like the the art scene amplifies it almost makes you more like no, yeah. I have a purpose for doing this. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, it w- I loved Bernie. For me, I don't try to get political on this podcast because it's just, lately, I, I do think the kin- kingdom is within. Like, I do think meditation, I like quarantine. I'm an introvert. I don't know. I've been balling out. Same. Same. I've been balling out to myself. Yeah. I love being alone. I could be in a lo- I could be in your apartment alone, playing with all that music by myself, reading books, and not care give a shit for three weeks just that's just how i'm built if i if i didn't have a dog i'd lose my mind but i'm like i'm thriving in this <laughs> yeah it, ju- it just works for me and like i'm working on music and trying to get that record done and working on some writing and you know just like as, as long as i got something to do you know i'm great in this and i feel really bad about it no, you shouldn't. It's a part of the gig, man. I just think it's a part of the but it is people are suffering and we have to be aware of it. Yeah. yeah. And like people I know with young kids are like like it's brutal. And people who like we are creative people and we can make our own fun. Not everybody can. And without um something to do, it just drives them fucking nuts. And uh, yeah, so it's mental I, I, health. Yeah, we have something to do. And some people just, we are, have a gift that if you get to find, if you get to find that one thing that doesn't drive you crazy, yeah. it's a fucking mm-hmm. gift, man. Absolutely. Man. Uh, 
but I'm going to let you, I know we're going on, but I just wanted to talk one quick point. Did you ever get into the Grateful Dead? Fuck yeah. Nice. Here's the thing. I got into the dead in sobriety. <laughs> I, I first really listened to, to a full show, like when I'd been sober for six months and I'd gone to school with all these deadhead kids and I was friends with them. And like, we hung out and like, there was a, there was a great, sort of LSD highway going with the dead. And so there was always uh, acid and mushrooms. It's fine for those guys. But then I'd go to my room and listen to the Cocteau Twins. Yeah. So, you know, and I'd be like, great. Oh, you're putting on Cornell 78. Great to see you. I'm going to go listen to Pearly Dewdrops drops. See you, see you later, man. You didn't um, like the truly, you did, yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I, I love those people, you, you know. <laughs> same, same. Um, I, just, I just didn't get down with it. And then when I got sober, I was taking a really long drive and I was like, oh my God, what, what can I do? And so I went out and bought a Dick's Picks CD and I got so into it. And by the end of that tour, I had like 25 of them. Wow. And I was like super, like I knew the difference between 72 and 78, you know? And like, I knew the difference between Brent Midland and, you know, uh, and the fucking Donna years and fucking Vince Welnick. Yeah. And so I had been like warmed up on all this stuff. But yeah, like I got into it, like not a drop of anything in my system. Yeah, because know? the scene was a little bit cheesy. And when I was young, I was a little bit too cool for school. For, but yeah. as I get older, but I did get to see him with Jerry Garcia. That's my, I saw uh, him at RFK with Jerry Garcia. And I think it must have been 1989. But uh, yeah. and it was awesome. I mean, just the vibe was amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah, just music-wise, like you get tired. Like you listen to so many songs, and it's like that's where time is trippy, because we have listened to all these songs. Like I've listened to that KRS album. How many times have I listened to Paul's Boutique? How many? I mean, I've I've almost killed Led Zeppelin. You know, like I've right. listened to it so much. But the thing about the Dead, those live recordings, like Dang the it. shit becomes evergreen because it's like. Oh man, I could feel what 1972 in Austin feels like. <laughs> right, right. And like whatever weird ideas they have on the fly, and um, all those tapers, man. Like a show will sound different depending on who taped it, like where their microphone in the venue is. Um, it's it's a beautiful world. It's it's so an American treasure. Like uh, I don't want I don't want to get nationalist or just ask talk about America, but I was. I was in the bathroom today and I was like, yeah, America's rough. We've done some bad things, but we gave the world tutti frutti, you know? We yeah. gave the world tutti frutti. There's no tutti frutti without America. I mean, like you basically, when the incredible pain and suffering of slavery and, you know, the genocide of indigenous people meets like the weirdness of the American vibe, that's where the blues comes from. And yeah. it's that yeah. pressure of the terrible, truly awfulness and the magic that you, that you get this thing. And that, that's what makes us special. Yeah. You know? Makes us and different. it's the art. It's the art in America. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's like, man, we got to go towards the art and we got to go towards the love. And I think revolution is great, but it, with a peaceful way, it's just, I don't know, with music and everything, I'm just kind of excited about the future if we could just get over 19. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I'm excited about the 20s. Um, it's going to be like, 
the kids that we're calling Generation Z, I think it's shitty that we call them that, that we call them the 20s generation. Because they are, when we get out of our houses, they're going to seize this time period and do some awesome shit. I just, I just feel it. And these guys are so much like Gen X. They have this giant, you know, as, as Xers had the boomers, you know, who were a fucking pain in the ass. They have the millennials that are a fucking pain in the ass. And they're like a small generation and they're resentful and creative. And I'm just so, I'm just so stoked for them. Yeah, it's just, you learn how to see through bullshit. The lower you get punched down, it's like, yeah. these guys, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little bit more cynical and they know if somebody's full of shit because they've read it and people have been tricked online and, you know, yeah. just all yeah. the misinformations and the, and, the, and the fakes and the funk. Um, but yeah, yeah, I believe in the new generation and they are like, why their mind space is so much more wide open even than yeah. us, you know, yeah, in terms so of... Yeah, the whole Me Too movement, Enough. the whole cannabis movement, Enough. all of it. It's just like Enough. these guys Enough. are like, nah, this is what we're doing. And this is like, we're not going to put blinders on this bullshit anymore. The gender thing is incredible. The fact that like yeah. the hip yeah. shit is to get out of your gender. It's like, that's fucking amazing. You yeah. know, like yeah. I want to live in the land of they. I want to be in this like middle space of like a core identity issue. I, 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 I fucking love these people. And yeah, I can't wait to be like the best crazy old uncle for these guys. <laughs> we really good at it. Are you producing any young artists? I see you fucking with like young uh, artists there, like rappers and beat makers you have like on your mixes and stuff sometimes. I met a rapper named Slimeroni. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> fucking amazing. And I just found her, like, there's, there's a rap label in Memphis called Unapologetic. I know those guys. They've come over, just done freestyles and stuff to beats that I've made. And so I just try and follow whoever they follow on Instagram. Yeah. And so this woman, Slimeroni, she's, like, just got out of college. And she's fucking incredible. And so I, and I've just been listening to her stuff online, and she's got... Um, you know, she's got some stuff up on Spotify with like less than a thousand listens. Um, and so I just wrote her a DM. I was like, listen, you probably don't know me from a hole in the ground. And I doubt you would really want to be involved in my universe at all. But like, if you need anything, you know, anything music business related, just drop me a DM. I'm here. And she's like, I'd like to do something. So I've been working on tracks with her. And, uh, you know, I send her a beat and she comes over and I wear a mask and she takes her mask off with sanitize the mic and hand it to her. And she gives me like 16, 24 bars. I'm actually polishing up a, a track to put up on Patreon that she's doing a feature on. It's, oh, it's I, I love female MCs. I know. And I keep telling her like, like, you just have to promise me that when you're a massive star, you'll do one more song with me. <laughs> like, like one more and then you know i'm not gonna like bug you but like once you have a million plays of your first single just do one more song with me and so yeah i i mean uh that's just dope, man yeah and her name is slime it's slime what's the slime maroney slime maroney i'm gonna look out for slime maroney's man i gotta i i the my favorite song by her is called hitters H-I-T-T-A-Z, hitters. Mm -hmm. 
It is. Um, and there's another one called The Game. And uh, the, my favorite uh, is uh, an EP of hers where she's naked on the cover, covered in blood. <laughs> and so it's like, that's a uh, yeah, Slimeroni, man. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's punk rock, man. That I can dig it. It's awesome. She after this podcast, she's gonna have all these like almost middle-aged stoner white dudes. Yeah, if you got that yeah. crowd, you're good. Yeah, you're and, good, and, man. All they like, do is consume media. They know media. Awesome. All they exactly. do is consume and judge. So if yes, they're fucking exactly. with you, it means it's strong. I'll, I'll yes, give you exactly. somebody. Check out Coffee. Have you heard about Coffee? The uh, Jamaican, young Jamaican, kind of like there. Uh, she sings and does R&B, reggae, rap. It's kind of, who's Jay-Z's big artist? Uh, the female, uh, Umbrella. Oh, oh, oh Rihanna. She's kind of like a Jamaican Rihanna with that not that much polish. And it's great. Right. Her name is Coffee. I got hip to like it. Spelled like coffee or spelled? Yeah, C-O-F-F-E-E. -E. Spelled like coffee. And she's from Jamaica. She's right out of high school. But she has like these top 10 hits that are over there that kill it. Um, but she's, yeah, she's dope. Uh, Mike, thanks for your time, man. It's super fun, man. I love doing this. Oh, dude, yeah, you're a hero of mine, and uh, I appreciate you doing this, and thank you, man. Let's hang out again. Yeah. Will you do this Let's podcast, and, like, down the line sometime? We're growing. Oh, fuck yeah. I want to yeah. come down to Memphis. I want to try out the Humble. I want to try out your coffee shop. Shout out your coffee shop. Yeah, Vice and Virtue, man. Vice and Virtue. Yeah, I want to come to Vice and Virtue and kick it. All right, Mike, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah. See you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Peace and love. Quality base here. The eagle has landed.